Welcome back to Questions from the Pew. This episode is actually part two of a conversation Reichert and I had with Dr. Malcolm Foley. Um, So if you haven't listened to part one, feel free to go back and listen to that episode uh, before listening to this one. So with that out of the way, enjoy the show. We're a forum for discussion on the issues that are ruminating in the minds of churchgoers, but that are often not raised from the pulpit. Too long has the church shied away from grappling with tough questions and nuanced issues. We're your hosts. I'm Reichard Zalameda. I'm Lucas Manning. Welcome to Questions from the Pew, where faith and culture meet. Obviously, we'll keep talking about a lot of these things, but pivoting a little bit just to, or I guess connecting what we're talking about to kind of, you know, the situation that's going on right now, which I guess Mm -hmm. is a big piece of any history work. Um, Yeah, and I guess, how do you view how the American church is interacting with, you know, issues of race now? and then, yeah, if you could give us, I mean, that's really what this series is about is kind of like a, how did we get here type of series. Yep. Um, so yeah, if you, any, just anything that you have would be great on how we're, how we're in this position at this point. <laughs> yeah. So one, one of, uh, and this is, so this, like I said, this is, this is what the, the, my, 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 my book that I'm doing right now is written to, I mean, it's, it's for the, it's fundamentally for the church. And it's and one of its primary and one of its primary points is that race and racism have always been about money. Mm-hmm. And the and the, and also it just so happens to be the case that money is also one of the things that Jesus talks about the most. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. um, and and the history of race and racism is fundamentally a history of greed and economic exploitation. And we like to tell ourselves that it's not about those things and a lot. Mm-hmm. And. And a lot of a lot of the way that a lot of the way that the church has framed it has been act like it's not about those things, but function knowing, but basically function knowing that it is. And so Mm. and so when so so even so even so even when you look at the major splits of denominations in the Civil War, well, yeah, when you're splitting Mm -hmm. over slavery, like you're you're splitting because money you're you're splitting because your livelihood is threatened. By the fact that you also understand that people think that what you're doing is evil. <laughs> and so you find ways to tell yourself that what you're doing is not evil so that you can continue living the lifestyle that you do. Um, and you and you and you can in some ways build build denominations based on that obfuscation. Um, and so um, and so, yeah, so so one of so one of the things that I that I that I that I want to press is that, you know, this is not a matter of, um, you know, affirming identities or whether it's racial identity or whatever the what 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 we need to be reminded of is the fact that that the church uh historically is supposed to be uh supposed to be a space of particularly economic solidarity it's one of the most important ways for us to understand love uh one of the ways that i want to uh define love in the in the book is as as material investment in your in your neighbor 
when we look at James, when we look at James, John, and Jesus, when they give when they give examples of what of what love is, they're giving very tangible examples. When John says that when John, John says that 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 the way that we understand love is the is the fact that Christ died for us. Yeah, that's a very that's a very tangible thing. It's a very tangible thing to do for another to do for another person. Similarly, when they talk about what love of neighbor looks like, they they'll say, well, if your brother or sister doesn't have food or clothing. Give them food or clothing. Food, food and clothing. Um, it's it, it's very it's it's very it's very material, and and one of the um, one of the things that I think allows uh, particularly racism to persist is the is our insistence on over spiritualizing things that really come down to the question of money and possessions, um, and so. Um, and so I, so I think, uh, I think, I think in some ways, well, and, and to add on to that, I mean, Christians were, were at the forefront of creating kind of the, the ideological frameworks to allow people to continue to function in these exploitative contexts. Mm. It becomes a, well, this isn't exploitative. The Lord just set it up this way. So it would be. It would actually be contrary to the will of God for me to resist it. This is this is this is specifically the move that uh, that James Henry Thornwell makes uh, in a sermon that he a sermon that he preaches on the rights and duties of masters, where he basically says, you know, like, hey, it, Africans are supposed to be enslaved. Like, it's how they develop as a people, um, and like that 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 that's not how that's not how white people develop. Like, I don't I don't have control over that. Like, that's just the way just the way it is. Um, and I'm like, that's convenient. that's a that's a very convenient. What a what a what a what a convenient argument, yeah. James uh, or Jimmy. I'll call, I'll call him. I'll call him Jimmy. Uh, and so, um, but yeah, but that's the but that's the kind of but that but that's the kind of but that's the kind of um, that's the kind of reasoning that I want to be able to that I want to be able to cut through and also remind folks that hey, like greed, greed is one of these things that shows up throughout the scriptures as a thing that keeps that not only keeps us out of the kingdom. But actually, but 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 keeps us from actually loving. But keeps us from actually loving our neighbor, um, and 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 it's what and it's what lies at the at the root of not only the perpetuation of racism, but the very but the very construction of the category of race. Mm. Yeah. Well, what I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what the relationship is between that idea of spiritualizing or over spiritualizing. Yep. Um, the situation and the remedy to the situation and how that relates to this idea of interest convergence mm-hmm. um, of like progress happens, you know, in, in some ways because it aligns with the interests of the majority group. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. And so when, when, when you look at most of the, most of the legal examples of what we might call racial progress that's what they that's essentially what they all come what they all come down to this is one of the one of the most i think one of the most significant insights of uh of I'd say critical race theory broadly but but derrick bell specifically um who who who, who um basically coins that coins that 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 terminology he's a, he's got a book um i think i have it over here silent Silent Covenants, where he, where, he, where, he, where he talks about Brown versus Board of Education and asks the question, mm-hmm. hey, like, why did why did Brown versus Board, Board of Education happen at that time? 
the NAACP had been had been fighting for school desegregation for a while. Why at that time? And so he he basically finds well, it's because uh, because of the Cold War, uh, the U.S. is uh, is paying a lot of attention to its to its own uh, to basically its reputation in foreign spaces um, and and its own its credibility. <laughs> <laughs> is is diminished by its constant racism and so they're like so this so so some desegregating schools makes us look makes us look better to the world so let's so let's do that like at this at this particular time um i mean similarly i mean even even when we think about even when we think about the civil war um it's it's not so much that uh you know it's not so much that lincoln that lincoln frees the slaves is that these 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 uh i mean and they're there are a number of historians will press this. No, 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 no. Like the the enslaved were fighting for their own. Were fighting for their own freedom. It just it, it turned out to be the case that it was that it it was it was convenient. It was convenient for a for for Lincoln to um to 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 advocate to advocate for emancipation because it 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 helped his own his own his own interests. Um, but this is but this is a but this is a theme. That I think continues throughout um, throughout particularly American history. These 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 moments of racial progress happen less less because um, you know there's an active <laughs> active care for one's neighbor. Um, it just turns out that oh, uh, actually here's a way that this actually works for me. So great, um, which is which is not like that, but that's also just how that's how people often work. So like it's not like it's not it's not surprising. It's it can be depressing, uh, but it's not. But it's not. But it's not so much. Um, but it's not so. But it's not so surprising. What it is though um, is it takes the wind out of the sails of folks who want to tell really triumphant national histories, um, mm. because uh, and this is and this is particularly I think an issue for us in this country. That we always we always want to be the heroes. We always want to be the heroes of our story, and that's mm-hmm. very. I think it's very difficult in a nation that's founded on genocide and sla- and enslavement. Like it's just it's it's, it's just so 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 my other thing is like don't don't worry so much about needing to tell a beautiful story about yourself. Just tell the truth, be truthful, and then and 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 do what you can to be and do what you can to be to be better. Because I I have no. I have no, I have no need to tell a better story about my nation than 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 the actual story that there that that there is. Um, but and 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 I say that as somebody who I like I I spend all my time in like the darkest the darkest elements of it. Uh, mm. And so when I so when I hear folks wanting to maintain this rosy story, I'm like that's that's a lie. It's a lie. I prefer mm-hmm. the truth. The truth will set you free. Um, so there you go. No, that's good. Yeah, I mean, kind of on the theme of convenience, um, I was reading, I forget where I was reading it in. I think it might have been a global Bible commentary. Uh, but basically the the author was saying it's, it's suspicious that um, when voices from uh, marginalized communities start to, you know, be able to speak on theology and speak on biblical studies. 
like, isn't it suspicious that all of a sudden, you know, the death of the author is declared and, you know, meaning isn't, you know, isn't a thing anymore. It's, it's reader centric. Um, and so I'm just, I'm wondering if there's any other like cultural trends that you see that are like convenient that support some of these just ways of, of navigating, I guess, specifically for the church I'm thinking, but broader as well. Okay. So this goes into my own personal history, particularly as a, as a pastor now, so we, so we planted this church four years ago. And part of it was like, we, um, so actually, so when that, um, when that evangelical statement on, uh, social, on social justice and the gospel came out, uh, however many years sure. ago that was, I still think, so if you want, uh, what I think is still the best long form response to that, it was a piece that I and a, and a friend of mine, Justin Hawkins, wrote for Mirror Orthodoxy when it like yeah. like when it came out. Um, but when we planted the church, we were like, you know what? The 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 one of the most kind of clear applications of the gospel is is to be is to be committed to um, is to be committed to justice. So we're just doing it, it. It's in the values of the church. We're putting it in there. We know social justice is, is a buzzword. That's fine. It's gonna be. It's gonna be there. So, and this is as so we so we planted in the in the PCA. And so, um, and so we're like, it's like it's gonna be. It's gonna be an interesting. We're gonna get an interesting hodgepodge of people. That's uh, gonna be great. Um, but but that, I think about the. I think about um, particularly people who want to build their identities on being on being anti-woke and all this kind of stuff like all of that is stuff that is now i mean you got church like you got church you got churches like splitting and fighting over this stuff splitting over the over over the over the what is to me just a a a a um um like it's just outright clear to me that Christ is that Christ is deeply that, that Christ is deeply concerned with justice at every at every at every level, um, especially economic justice. Like 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 just it's just all that's it's all it's all over it's all over. Sure. And so and so for me to for me to be in spaces where my commitment to the gospel is 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 apparently questioned because I talk about race in the way that I do because I talk about money in the way that I do. Um, like that's just—it's mind-boggling to me, especially because I'm like, look, we got we got folks, uh, especially in the early church, who said much stronger things than I than I've said. <laughs> even even these even even folks who I mean, for me in 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 broadly reform circles, I mean, you look at you look at some of the stuff that some of the stuff that Calvin says about care for the poor and stuff like that. I'm like, look, it's all it's all here. It's all in the tradition, and it's all. And it's all some of the most important um, kind of moral, the most important kind of moral guidance out of that out of that tradition comes along comes along those lines, and yet the fact that that is something that needs to be something that apparently needs to be adjudicated in mm. in today's church circles is <laughs> it's, it's it's offensive it's offensive really, um, but it also keeps but it also. Um, but like I said, but it but it but it also keeps folks from actually from actually loving their from actually loving their neighbors. Um, it breeds it breeds a kind of uh, it breeds a kind of paternalism 
um, particularly particularly oriented toward the poor and the marginalized when what the church is supposed to be is a space of is a space of solidarity a space where space where people in the church are being made fun of because they hang out with the poor and the marginalized so um as opposed to um you know as opposed to an institution that 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 that, that amasses wealth for its own self-aggrandizement so back to uh, what you were saying earlier about hey I want to know the truth I'm enough of this you know <laughs> looking at history through rosy colored glasses or whatever the phrase is um, can there be a balance a balance that is is struck between you know facing the hard facts yeah. of your history and the idealized versions of history and what does that yeah look like maybe at a at, even at a very practical level beyond theory you yeah. know like what does that look like well, my thing is that even in these, even in these very dark periods, um, I also deeply believe that there is, there's no point, uh, there's no point in this history where the church was not present. And so for, so for me, when I, you know, when I did my research, I, I, I did so, I did so with the assumption that I would find resistance. Whenever I find evil, I expect to find I expect to find resistance. Um, and so for me, like the entire, the entire, the entire dissertation is all, it's just all resistance. Um, and, and that's in, and that's a, um, and that's in some ways like a, a, a model for folks because pa because patience, because patience and courage are, important are important things that the body of Christ is, needs to understand that they're going to have to build um because uh because it's you there 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 have always been kind of these modes of exploitation and domination and and and, and violence um the question is are, are we are we building communities that can um that are we building communities that can withstand those uh, those assaults um and so so yeah so like i i i want us to be I want us to be clear about what we're up against but i also want us to be clear about the about the resources about the about the resources that we that we that we have um yeah if that gets at the if that gets at the question a little bit yeah yeah it does yeah i think i guess i'm turning more towards practicalities here but mm -hmm. i think because yeah a lot of us do live in the, I guess, the stay and reform yep. place of, and I guess to your point about economics, I mean, a lot of times there's no money, <laughs> there's no money in uh, creating something new, or maybe there will be down the road, but yep. definitely is, you know, or maybe it's a side project or whatever it is. Yeah. Um, I guess, how do you combat just good old fashioned cynicism and despair? Because mm. that's, a lot yep. of times it just feels like this is a brick wall. And yeah, I guess, again, to your point, this only ever moves when it aligns with somebody else's agenda that ha has nothing to do with why it should move. <laughs> so, yeah, I don't know. 
yeah that's yeah. the that's the that's the first question that i usually get um particularly when, in considering my my research because you know i mean there were there were periods there were there were periods as i was writing this dissertation that i just had to kind of step away um mm -hmm. because of just just in death all the time uh and not just i mean and like brutal public death um and so but but for me um i mean i maintain i maintain hope uh because uh i mean quite quite frankly i maintain hope because uh because 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 jesus got up from the dead um that's it like that's the that's the that's the that's the that's the summary answer but it's also because like <laughs> i'm i'm engaged i'm engaged in this work like i'm engaged in this work because this is the actual work that christ is doing like, that christ is, re is redeeming is redeeming is redeeming communities setting people free and stuff, and stuff like that and so yeah. insofar as i'm insofar as i'm engaged in that i'll i'll have the resources i'll have the resources that i that i that i need if it's true that like part of this uh, this is one of the things that i love that i can do in the church i just be like look if jesus said it then we should just then we should believe it so we so we should believe that when he says seek first the kingdom of god and all these other things will be added to you like okay then like let's actually do that <laughs> mm. yeah. um and 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 it's and it's 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 just it's just it's interesting that the context of him saying that is in the context of him talking about money particularly and greed mm. because because our tendency is to think that our um that our outcomes lives all these things depend on uh basically depend on us being beholden to a particular economic setup Sure. And one of the things that Jesus seems to be insisting on is like, no, actually, that's not that's not the case. Um, but 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 one of the most, and this is something I think uh, uh, Kathy Tanner deals with this in her Economy of Grace, but also Christianity and the New Spirit of Capitalism. Um, perhaps the most salient element of what people call culture is our economy. And so, and so when we like, like when we think about what actually shapes our assumptions about the world and about one another, it's often the, like it, the economy is mm -hmm. one of those, is one of those things. It's one of the reasons why, why the faith is, the, is referred to by a number of the fathers as the divine economy, because like, because that's, because the, these, 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 um, these categories of exchange and things, and things like that are fundamental to, to how we actually understand our faith. Um, but those are categories that we are not encouraged to, that we're not encouraged to think in. And my thing is like, look, mm -hmm. one of the things that the faith does is it, is it, it, it radically reshapes your relationship with your resources because it reminds you that they're fundamentally meant to be shared, not to be hoarded. Um, and, and that is, it's why Acts 4, it's why Acts 4 is so beautiful and why Acts 2, right after Pentecost, the description of a, of, like what what a spirit filled community looks like is a community that's that that's that's devoted to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread and prayer. Well, that fellowship, that koinonia, is is that like it's described later. They're holding stuff in common. They're making sure that people mm. don't have. They're making sure that people don't have need, which is then a fulfillment of Deuteronomy 15, where God told the people, "Look, if you do all the stuff I say, there won't be any poor, there won't be any poor people in your midst because everybody will be committed." To meeting every to, to meeting everybody else's needs, 
And my thing is like, look, that's what the church is supposed to be known. Like that's what we're supposed to be known for. That's that. That's what. Mm. That's what then creates the reality that 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 Isaiah is talking about in Isaiah two, or that Micah's talking about in Micah in Micah four, where this is like this is the mountain that the nations that the nations are streaming to because they're like, whoa, this is really cool, and we do, and we don't, we have no idea how you guys do this. And we're like, yes, the Holy Spirit, repent, believe. <laughs> <laughs> It's beautiful, mm. honestly. <laughs> the game, man. That's the I'm, I'm sold. Yeah. That's the name of the sign, game, man. Sign me up. <laughs> this is what I this is what I preach at. This is what this is what I try to preach like basically every Sunday. So come by. <laughs> oh, Moving to Waco. <laughs> man, well, Doctor Foley, we could. I mean, I honestly, I could talk to you for the rest of the day, but we want we don't want to take up any more of your time. Maybe. You, you kind of started to land the plane here a little bit mm-hmm. with what you were just talking about, but specifically, I guess, yeah. to the American church or church leaders, many of which, uh, many of whom are listening to the to our podcast. Yeah. Like, what would you, I guess, want to leave as, you know, last words given the topics that we talked about or, you know, yeah, anything like that? Um, I think one of the most important ways that... Uh, Paul describes the church as a, is as a body uh, where we are all members of one another. Uh, that when one of us suffers, all of us suffer. When one rejoices, all, all, all rejoice. I think one of the um, we are we are resistant to, in many ways, kind of deep communal identity formation. We 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 all everything everything around us, uh, particularly our economy. Is really invested in separating us from one another, um, and in um, in framing, really f- framing success in individual in individual terms. Um, I think the church is the church is one is 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 one space where we are deeply encouraged not to do that, where we're where we're encouraged to dig deep in our relationships with. with, with, with with our brothers and sisters and to build to build actual to build actual relationships of inter of interdependence not code not codependence but inter but interdependence where 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 we actually where we actually do need each other um and that like that is that's what an actual i think i i i i think that's what a community deeply committed to christ is is one where people recognize that everything that they've been given is not just for it's not just for them, um, but it's to be but it's to be shared, um, and so and so I think one of the one of the things that ought to characterize all of our um, all of our church bodies is that we're known as a people as a people who share, um, particularly people who share with those who have need. And so one of the things that I think uh, one of the one of the ways that that starts is you got to get people comfortable with saying that they have needs. <laughs> mm-hmm. um, it's basically one Not of the, a very easy thing to say in an, in America. Yeah, culture. exactly. Like like it's but it but it's the first it's the first step for any of this to actually take place. Is that people is that you have to recognize that you have needs and you have to recognize that you're surrounded by other people who have needs but you also have to understand that christ has actually equipped you to meet each other's needs and then 
you build then you build a situation where when your brothers and sisters express need your first impulse is what can i do what can i do to fill it and and when that becomes like when that just becomes just kind of the regular rhythm of your communal life there 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 are there are there are there are there are joys there are joys in that 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 i think that i think folks can can only can only imagine um but that also that also creates a that that also creates a community that bears witness to the world that there's a different way that there's a different way of living mm-hmm. that's a good word yeah amen to that <laughs> well again we really appreciate um your taking time out of your day to to talk with us um the last 30 seconds or so do you want to plug anything you mentioned a few pieces of your work in the past book that you're working on right now but yeah yeah we want to give you space to to plug anything you want sure um yeah so i mean i'm on i'm on twitter uh at malcolm b foley a uh, fair amount of just spicy things that i'll tweet from time to time um my 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 co-pastor and i have a have a podcast ourselves uh it's called it's called theology in pieces uh you can find it on spotify or the apple podcast or whatever um yeah and the and the book will i'm i'm finishing i'm trying to finish the manuscript by january one it won't be out probably until 2025 but the title right now is children children of mammon um but uh yeah you can keep your keep your eyes out your eyes out for that for that too oh also there's a there's a book on uh there's a book on reparations that's going to come out soon uh it's a longer it's a longer title but i've got a i've got a chapter i've got a chapter in that book coming out coming out soon too so a few things few few irons in the fire what's going on (laughs) sounds great great well thanks for coming on it was great having you thanks for inviting me y'all It was a great that was conversation, a great conversation. Honestly. Oh, wow. Jinx, you owe me a soda. <laughs> let's go. Let's go 2000s uh, middle school. <laughs> Jinx, you owe me a soda, and uh, you you got the word. Although maybe that's a Michigan thing. Did you ever do you yeah, got the word? I didn't hear the... about that until we met in college. Yeah, okay, fair enough. Maybe it's a, maybe it's a Michigan thing. Maybe it's a you thing because our oh, other local Michigander thing. doesn't <laughs> do it. Where, where in Michigan is he from? Wait, our our other Detroit. Oh, oh, yeah. Well, that's the east side of the state. It's probably west side and then Indiana. I've heard folks from Indiana know what it is. Oh, so okay. I think it's I think it's uh, west side and south. There we go. Anyway, west know. side. <laughs> west side of Michigan. <laughs> Michigan. <laughs> uh, anyway. Okay. Anyway, great conversation. Yeah, honestly, <clears throat> super enlightening, and it was it was just great talking to. Dr. Malcolm Foley and just yeah I guess we can just jump into what we're thinking or what stood out to us yeah I guess uh I mean me personally my question about like you know the progress that we've seen or or supposed progress uh or like what causes you know people to get tired of you know kind of racist uh just like certain racist behaviors. So like we talked about lynchings or, you know, Jim Crow or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it was, uh, 
I mean, it was, I just feel like now I see the world in more a cynical light, but also it's like actually more realistic light in the sense that like, yeah, like at the end of the day, a lot of people, it's like their pocketbook that matters. You know what I mean? Um, the interesting thing is I was listening to a couple sports, like talking heads talk about, I don't know if you've followed, uh, what's been going on with like the PGA tour and golf and all and LIV basically the PGA tour is like the traditional golf, like uh, league or whatever that the, I think it's literally called professional golf association uh, that all the professional golfers participate in. Uh, but then recently, I don't know all the, all the details of this. So I'm sorry, all the reporters who I only skimmed your articles cause they weren't engaging. So I don't, I don't know all the details, but basically, basically like some Saudi Arabian rich folks wanted to start their own league. It's called LIV. Um, and then they were paying like big name golfers, a lot of money to come over to their league. But then obviously there's, uh, there's just like dissonance between like American values and then, you know, some of the like social conservatism and all these things of some, some of like the, some of the financial backers of that league. Mm -hmm. And so there's been this, you know, this big tension between the two leagues, but now because LIV has actually seen some success because the way that they do it is like, they let like the golfers like freak out and throw their clubs and like people can yell and like cheer in the stands rather than like it being silent. So it's actually mm -hmm. like kind of gained some steam because people like to watch it a little bit more because it's more engaging. And so now the PGA tour is just merging with them, even though like they didn't want to do it because, you know, because there was like, you know, social well really what it probably is is we might lose business being associated with these people but then when they saw that oh this is actually a successful product it's like let's merge and now we can all make more money you know what i mean and so it's, mm -hmm. it's kind of not just like the race i mean also race issues but like it's just his explanation of i don't know the pocketbook being the the end all for a lot of these like either progressive or regressive moves just made a lot of sense to me mm -hmm. Yeah, that was one. That's why I asked that question about the idea of interest conversions. Um, yeah, just because I can't get away from the uh, from asking the question. Okay, what? Uh, even if there were good motives behind, you know, you know, this certain point of progress. Um, certainly, that wasn't like. 100% pure, like, sure, like motivated. Well, there were definitely like activists, right, who were right. like pushing for it from like a sure. pure place, but then like getting the powers to be to actually move in accordance mm -hmm. with it, you kind of need, <laughs> right, another reason. Yeah, yeah. What I appreciated about the conversation was, like, I guess this is more so on Dr. Foley as a person, but just the fact that he. He's the, the you've got the churchman, you know, he's a pastor, but he's also obviously done the academic work. Um, yeah. And I think those kinds of voices are are fascinating and are, are helpful, especially in, you know, you know, in light of your question with the whole like, how, how do you keep from despairing or like losing hope kind of yeah. this fight um, for justice? Um, and we talked even you know, in another episode um, with our interview, with our previous interview with Michael O. Emerson about um, people leaving Christianity or saying goodbye to Jesus, mm -hmm. 
because essentially the church was not doing enough for justice or something like that. Yeah. Um, yeah, so those kinds of questions, uh, you know, are always kind of swimming, uh, you know, in the back of my mind. And it was nice to hear him um, talk about this, you know, again, kind of bridging the oftentimes big gap between academia and the church. Yeah. Yeah, agreed. And I thought his... Uh his insight on having like the two different spaces that he occupies. Um, like he said, like his academic work and like being at Baylor is like his reforming space where Mm -hmm. like, um, you know, where he's like pushing for, for change and for, yeah, I guess reformation. Um, but at the same time, like, you know, kind of knows a little bit that it's a brick wall, you know, (laughs) that, um, not that it can't move, but just like all of the factors that come into moving it. Uh, and then, so he's got his reformation space, but then he has like a revolutionary space at his church where it's like, they're creating something new. You know what I mean? And I think that, I don't know. To me, that was like, wow, I need to, I, I just need, I need that revolutionary space to be able to like feel, you know, like I'm building. Yeah. Like, you know, making something new. And I think that's, I think that's a big deterrent or a big, it would be a big, uh, I guess deterrent has a negative connotation, but a deterrent of despair (laughs) because Mm -hmm. then you're like, you feel like you're making progress at least in one of your like environments, you know what I mean? Uh, whereas maybe the other one, the, the progress or the change or, or the, you know, call to justice is a lot slower. Um, and so that might be frustrating. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I know a lot of people have gotten frustrated, you know, in those type of environments. So that was really, for me, that was really helpful is like the two, mm-hmm. having those two different spaces to, to occupy. Yeah. Yeah. I think it was a good reminder that, um, yeah, like that you don't need to walk away from mm-hmm. the faith and yeah. pursuit of, of justice. You, you know, obviously it's not going to be always easy to yeah. you know pursue both um again depending on the context you're in the environment that you're in whether um you know socially or you know religiously um but yeah it was a good reminder i think this conversation was a good reminder of that um and kind of very much was a was a nice if we put them both in like the same season, our interview with Dr. Emerson from what two seasons ago, yeah, and then this one, I think it would would have kind of gone hand in hand, especially with the way Dr. Foley talked about those two worlds that he occupies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Agreed. Yeah, I mean, it was just yeah, it was really, it was a really enlightening conversation for me. Um, the fun, the funny thing is like because he talked about like capitalism a lot, right? And like the economics of why, you know, racist systems stay and why racist systems go. And it would be interesting cuz how I've had like even like capitalist apologists explain capitalism to me is they're like uh it leverages the fact that humans are going to act in the worst possible way to then like make the best possible outcome. So it's like it assumes that everyone's only going to be out for their own interest and then like essentially leverages that to help everyone like as a collective, which is 
it's an interesting concept. And so they would argue like it's realistic. It's the only realistic like way to function because nobody, you know, nobody's gonna, essentially nobody's gonna act for any other reason than self-interest, um, which is actually a lot of what the talking heads were talking about with the, the golf merger uh, because they were, they were actually like criticizing one of the golfers who was staying uh, like loyal to the PGA uh, like over the moral issues and then basically he got hung out to dry because then the PGA switched its stance, <laughs> you know. Uh, but they were criticizing him because it was like, you know, how naive can you be? Like the only reason anybody does anything is money anyway. So it was, it was dumb of you to, you know, not get on the train before it left the station. Um, anyway, so, yeah, it might be interesting if we ever have him on again. I mean, there's just there's more questions that come with like how we structure an, an economy, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. um, and that idea that an economy is just like, like on a bigger scale, just like how we interact with each other and exchange and partner and, you know, whatever else, or step on each other in <laughs> certain instances. Anyway, yeah, I thought it was great. Yeah, uh, yeah, I'd love to have him on again, um, whether if it's, you know, to continue the conversation we had or on another topic. Yeah, it was just a really engaging and uh, engaging conversation. I, I had a good time. Yeah, agreed. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you'd like to support us financially, you can do so on Patreon. It's just www.patreon.com slash questions from the pew. If you can't support us financially, please give us a good rating or review on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and that will help others find our podcast. Also, please comment and ask questions. You can do that by following and messaging us on Facebook or Instagram. You can also leave us a short voice message or text message at 312-725-2995. If you do leave a voicemail, please keep it under 30 seconds and tell us your name and where you're from. We'd love to include your voicemail in our Q&R episodes, but if you prefer for us not to, just let us know and we'll include your question in another way and without giving your information. The same goes for any messages you send us on social media or through text. This has been Questions from the Pew, a podcast in the World Outspoken Network. To learn more about World Outspoken and its mission to prepare the Mestizo Church for cultural change, visit www.worldoutspoken.com. For Questions from the Pew, I'm Riker Zalameta. I'm Lucas Manning. We'll see you next time. Bye.